Welcome, everyone, to our Sunday edition of BAMS Radio. This is back on Sunday now. Uh, tonight, uh, as Alabama moves to 11-0 with a 50-17 to uh, workman-like victory against the Citadel, their first ever meeting in football. Of course, it was a little bit more interesting than people anticipated. Alabama came in as a 51-point favorite. They did not cover, uh, but uh, it was a 10-10 game at halftime. But Alabama turning on the Jets, outscoring the Bulldogs 40-7 to in the second half. In all honesty, if it hadn't been for a couple of mental errors by uh, Savion Smith, and of course, we uh, we know Alabama made some other mistakes defensively in the game, but when you're a defensive back playing against a wishbone team, uh, you know, they're not going to uh, attempt a lot of passes. And as Nick Saban said, you know, following the game, in all his years of coaching, he's not sure he's ever had a game where the opponent went 0 for 2 passing for zero yards. But you have to play the run all the time. Savion Smith dipped inside a couple times, did not take the pitch man, and it cost Alabama a couple of big play runs for touchdowns. But still, they got through the game. It looks like they avoided major injury, which is the biggest and most important thing. Uh, we'll go over that in a second. But first, I want to welcome my co-host, Thomas Watts, the wizard, to the show as well. He always does a great job producing for us. He'll give us his take on this game, and we'll preview the Iron Bowl. And of course, our third cohort, William Redfish Barger, from 89 to 93, big part of the Alabama Crimson Tide uh, football program, still uh, a noted insider uh, with the program, pays very close attention to the goings-on in Tuscaloosa, and we always love uh, catching up with him as well. William, uh, good night. How you doing tonight, man? Doing great, Drew. How about you? Doing pretty good, and as I was saying, you know, you made a good point before we started this, and we'll, we'll go ahead and put this on tape. And talk about how difficult a preparation it is uh, for, to prepare for the Citadel, a, a true wishbone team, because, you know, it's a true dinosaur offense. You only really see it with the service academies, and the Citadel is one of those, even though it's on the 1AA level. Uh, but it's a very difficult preparation, and we talked to Vinny Sanceri on my regular radio program, my daily show this week, and he talked about hearkening back to the 2011 game, of course, the infamous shit through a tin horn. Uh, for all those that remember with Nick Saban. But he said they had to put in pretty much an entirely new defense for that week to try to defend Georgia Southern. Uh, but just talk about how difficult that is. Well, you know, if I remember correctly, Drew, I don't even think, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't even think Georgia Southern was a, a triple option or a wishbone team. I thought they were more of a, a zone read RPO team you know, kind of leading up to the ne- the next week for Auburn. I thought that's why they were scheduled. I may be wrong. Well, yeah, I don't know if they were a true wishbone, but, you know, they were. I still think they were mostly maybe like a flex bone kind of thing. It probably wasn't because, I mean, when you watched the Citadel yesterday, William, this was like harkening back to Coach Bryant and Daryl Royal. I mean, these guys were, you know, 100%, but they were still more of an – I guess you could maybe call – uh, Georgia Southern, a, a spread option team, but they certainly did not throw the football very much. Uh, but they were, uh, they were still, it was still a very difficult look. And, uh, and, you know, and they, and they, and they gave Alabama a lot of fits, but again, this is a difficult preparation and uh, Alabama certainly, uh, it took them about a half to get a, get the hang of it. Well, you know, it's like we were talking about, you know, before we started recording, I mean, you know, there, there's probably not, but five guys on that whole Alabama three-deep roster that's ever even faced an offense like this. I mean, you outside, like you said, outside of the service academies, and, you know, we'll see how Georgia Tech and, I mean, how Georgia does. Yeah, Georgia Tech, uh, yeah. You know, facing that Georgia Tech, uh, you know, option attack this coming weekend. You know, it's it's just not something that these kids are, 
you know, used to seeing in their high school careers, certainly, um, you know, basically a, a legitimate high school pro style offense is a dinosaur now, um, you know, with the advent of these, uh, you know, shotgun, um, you know, spread teams that everybody sees. And, uh, so, you know, I, I really wasn't disappointed in, in anything that I saw. Um, you know, you saw, you know, once they came out of the locker room, certainly you didn't want to see a, a, a turnover on the opening kickoff. But, um, you know, I thought that, uh, you know, once the offense got cranked up, you know, they, they got greased up well. And, you know, Tua was distributing the ball to everybody. Um, you know, everybody's going to say, well, why couldn't we run the ball down their throats? Well, you know, um, it's Citadel, um, you know, they're coming off of a, a real physical game last week. Um, you know, Coach Stallings, I mean, excuse me, Coach Saban can do the, the ten horn, you know, war chant dance all he wants to, but it's just human nature um, that they're not going to take it seriously. And, uh, you know, I thought the offense really exploded in the second half. Um, you know, the defense did a great job. Um you know, playing assignment football for the most part after the first half. I mean, really and truly, I was shocked, you know, to look at the, the box score today and that they only had 275 yards of offense. I thought it was, you know, going to be a lot worse than that, especially when you factor in that, um, you know, by the time Alabama got the ball for the first time in the first half, I think there was only five minutes left left to go in the quarter. And uh, I, was, I was in fear that the uh, – you know, the consecutive record of scoring a touchdown, you know, in the first quarter was going to go out the window. But, you know, I really don't have any, you know, complaints. I didn't have, you know, a huge expectation going into this game. Um, like you said, I think the, the best part about this game is um, the few injuries that they did have. Probably the most severe one is going to be, you know, just on what kind of, you know, concussion protocol Damian Harris is going to be on. You know, will he be available in full speed come Saturday? Obviously, uh, you know, Deontay Thompson, you know, had the knee bruise. Um, but, you know, to me, you know, after watching the last two weeks, I think the most critical, um, you know, guy, especially on the offensive side of the football, that they need to, you know, kind of protect, and hopefully he's had enough rest, is Deontay Brown at left guard. There is a huge drop-off. Um, between number 65 and number 66 at left guard. Yes. Um, you know, almost to the point, you know, in my mind is, you know, I kind of am starting to question why, if Deontay Brown's not available, why wouldn't you go with Josh Casher over Lester Cotton? I've said the same thing, William. I watched him play. When Leatherwood tweaked his ankle and they took him out for the rest of the game as a precaution, and we don't think that's serious, by the way, uh, and they put Casher in at right guard, I thought he did a very solid job. I've, I've never understood – why I know he's undersized, but why he doesn't get a chance? I guess Saban's just enamored, and we know how he is sometimes with certain guys. With Lester Cotton getting an opportunity, but man, I just think he's a better football player, better functioning football player than Lester Cotton. Yeah, I mean, a high character guy, uh, one of the team leaders, uh, probably the one guy on the offensive side of the football that can maybe match the fear factor that Anthony Jennings brings on the defensive side of the football. You know, I was told by, you know, a staff member that those were the two guys on each side of the ball coming out of spring practice that um, despite how salty you got in practice, you didn't really want to challenge either one of those two guys. And, um, you know, I, I just, you know, in the back of my mind, I just hate that he hasn't had more of an opportunity 
uh, to show what he can do. But at the same time, I respect his decision to uh, stick around and finish things out in Tuscaloosa versus transferring out, um, you know, like he could have done, like the other two offensive linemen did, um, you know, this past year. So, um, you know, again, I think that, you know, it's basically time to put this Citadel game um, on the back burner and, and start focusing on the Iron Bowl this weekend and probably even more so, um, you know, the SEC championship game two weeks from now. Yeah, it really is. They're going to have to really focus on that. And, and to go back to what I was saying, there were a few little nicks in the game. Uh, you know, Alex Leatherwood was taken out due to an, uh, a tweaking of an ankle, did not return. Josh Casher finished uh, at right guard, and I thought did a solid job. Uh, and then the other couple of injuries, uh, he got cut blocked a little bit and got a bruised knee, went into the tent, came out. Deontay Thompson, but he should be okay. The most serious seems to be Damian Harris, who after breaking his 73-yard run, he went down hard. At first, I was nervous that he had you know, messed up his shoulder and gone down hard on it, but it was purely the head. Uh, his head hit, hit the ground a couple of times. He was shaking up. They said he had a mild concussion. So I guess that he could be considered questionable uh, for the Auburn game. Of course, it would mean more carries for Najee Harris, but certainly would like to have Damian Harris available. Uh, you know, And Josh Jacobs did not get a lot of touches on Saturday, but he's been a huge factor as well. But William, your thoughts on uh, maybe uh, Damian Harris getting banged up? I, I know concussions are a tricky thing. Do you think that he's probably, uh, you know, what uh, is about his availability? Do you think he's going to be available for Auburn, or could this be a case where uh, he could miss the game? You know, I, I just, you know, again, it just depends on how severe the concussion is. Um, you know, if it's mild, then, you know, my guess would be that he's available. Now, then that comes into you know, the discussion that Nick Saban has to have with the medical staff and does it maybe make more sense to hold him out for the SEC championship game? Because I, I, I personally don't think um, they need Damian Harris to, uh, to beat Auburn this Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is a classic case of um, Auburn's defense matching up with Alabama's offense and, you know, what, what they do well and what they don't do well matches up very well with, with what Alabama does do well. And that's, you know, as long as there's a healthy, you know, Tua Tonga Bailoa and the top four wide receivers, um, they will eviscerate Auburn's offense if Nick Saban allows that to happen. Um, you know, if that's the way he wants to allow Mike Loxley to dial up the offense. that They've been bad at, in pass coverage for several years. Um, they lost their best cornerback to the NFL draft last year. Um, you know, I just think this is one of those deals where, you know, if, if Nick wants to get a little bit of a revenge factor from what happened last year when Alabama was crippled going into that Iron Bowl, uh, he could get it in spades this Saturday via a healthy Alabama passing game. And before we bring Thomas Watts into the conversation, I thought Tua Tonga-Vailoa looked healthier than he looked uh, for over a month since before the Arkansas game. He didn't have the brace on, William, and I thought when he ran the football, he ran without fear, and I really thought he was cutting like the Tua we saw at the beginning of the season. Well, I mean, I, I thought even with the brace on, he, he was running with authority, and you know, you got to give the guy credit, man. He, he does not want to slide. Um, he wants to lower his shoulder and, and get all the extra yards that he can. But, you know, I, I was telling some friends of mine that I've watched the, you know, all the games with since the Arkansas game, you know, every time he gets up and winces, I said, look, he's not wincing because his, 
knee's hurting him more than it was. He's wincing because that freaking knee brace has probably yanked about 25 or 30 hairs off of his leg and <laughs> pinched the hell out of him. And, you know, you, you know, you see him yanking on it, Drew. Well, the, the knee brace has gotten out of alignment. And, and when it gets out of alignment, it's more of a hindrance than it is a help. So, um, and again, my, my respect level for, for Tua Tungvaloa has gone through the roof since the Arkansas game with the amount of mental toughness um, that he's shown being able to play through that knee injury, whatever the level of it was, um, you know, that, that it, and certainly it affected his stats a little bit, not, not to the degree that you want to sit there and ding him for it, but, you know, my takeaway from, from all the games since he injured his knee against Arkansas, what, what I rectified it as was, hell, his, his B or C games better than most people's A games. <laughs> That's a great point. Well, I'll bring Thomas Watts now into the conversation. Thomas, your thoughts on that game uh, with the Citadel? Certainly, it was more interesting than people would have thought uh, at the start of the game. And uh, we saw Alabama's kicking demons once again, uh, uh, you know, uh, and then, and then uh, you know, uh, pray, uh, show their ugly head. I, I will say this. I didn't get a chance to get called on by Nick Saban, uh, but I was, if I had been, my question was going to be, with Austin Jones coming in to kick the last extra point and then kick off, have we seen maybe uh, the senior transfer from Temple get another chance to be the kicker? Uh, for it. I know Bulavos made one from 49 yards a week ago, but he's been inconsistent. So I just wondered maybe if we had maybe seen a change at kicker. I guess we'll find out for the Auburn game. But, Thomas, uh, your thoughts on this game uh, against the Citadel? Well, talking about the kickers, the uh, the strain, m- much like the flu, the uh, the strain of the Alabama foot aids is particularly <laughs> virulent this season. And uh, it's gotten to the point where there are only three things you can rely on in life, death, taxes, and place kicking at Alabama, contracting the foot aids. So you yeah, just, I, just... I've, I've truly just come to accept it. You know, it's unfortunate. And it's to me, it's a punchline, Drew. Like, yeah. Nick Saban recruits otherworldly, everything, everywhere. And then most of his kickers just, just, just can't get it done. And I don't know why. You have to hope that Jeff Banks can kind of get all of this stuff straightened out moving forward. But we'll see. Now, talking about the game in general, you know, pithy foot age jokes aside, Alabama slept walked through it. Now Nick Saban can grandstand and jump around and scream about taking every opponent seriously and all the stuff that he probably deep down wanted to do anyway. And if you look at the statistics of the game, Alabama still had offensive production pretty much on par with what they've done throughout the year. Yes, the defense struggled i guess you could say it struggled because there were 250 yards of offense given up to the citadel's triple option attack but as has been said here defending the triple option is a nightmare and it's something that takes a kind of different sort of thinking that you don't get your players to do very often so you know i I, and also more than anything any wailing and gnashing of teeth about the game alabama still won by 33 you know, yes, there were some injuries that you want to keep your keep an eye on, but that that would have happened anyway. So by and large, Alabama, the drum keeps on beating. There were there were a couple of dark spots, but I don't really understand the concept of being upset about that when 
every football team, even going into the Iron Bowl, is a work in progress. And the team's going to continue to get better. And that's a good spot to be in. Alabama won. You know, you saw one of the things that I find interesting. Jalen Hurts got to knock the rust off, which suddenly yeah, I means... was shocked by that. I'm glad you brought that up, Thomas. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, but no, I was go ahead. Really surprised he played. I, I he was ginger in warm up, so I thought we might not even see him have a playoff. But it was good to see him get back out there. Absolutely, you know that that if there's a key takeaway from the game, it's that Jalen Hurts was able to get out onto the football field and be at least somewhat effective because it, I, I think Jalen Hurts, if, if calamity strikes, I think Jalen Hurts can certainly beat Auburn, and I think he can beat Georgia. I don't think this Georgia team is as good as the Georgia team last year. And, no, going, and going back to that Georgia game, if Jalen Hurts doesn't overthrow a wide-open Calvin Ridley on that first drive and then Alabama barf all over themselves in the kicking game, again, another example of the Alabama foot aids, if that doesn't happen, that game's completely different. So having seen Jalen Hurts at least be able to do some things, that makes me feel personally a lot better. I, to take nothing away from Mac Jones, I just don't have the faith that he's going to get Alabama over the hump against a good Georgia team. So – you know, overall, ho-hum, Alabama won by five touchdowns. We're on to the Iron Bowl. And really, for me, it's how beat up is Alabama not really coming into the Iron Bowl. Because, you know, everybody's going to have injuries. But how healthy will Alabama be when we have our show next Sunday, Drew and William? Because even though I think Alabama is a better team than the Georgia Bulldogs, They've certainly found some things to raise their level of effectiveness, and it's directly coincided with the health of DeAndre Swift. And this is for a championship, and there's going to be a revenge factor here. So Alabama needs all hands on deck in the first week of December. But about the Citadel, they slept, walked, got some talking points, ho-hum, move on. You know. Well, well Thomas, let me, let me back, back, backpedal on something you just said a minute ago. And I sure. think this is... Um, a direct result of, of the Dan Enos factor. You know, most people that watch the game on Saturday will sit there and say that their their most impressive play that they saw out of Jalen Hurts was when he ducked his head, wasn't looking down the field, rolled out to his right, pulled up and threw the ball to Devonta Smith in the end zone. The most impressive play that I saw from Jalen Hurts Saturday was when I think it was Jerry Judy, don't quote me on this, he got mugged and the pass interference was called, and Jalen Hurts had a two-safety deep look in the middle of the field, and he let a perfect pass fly in between those two safeties. That if, I think, Jerry Judy had not been mugged and the pass interference hadn't been called, it would have been a touchdown. Yeah. That was Jerry Judy, and that was, was the perfect read. Judy managed to split the safeties, and that was a, that's a touchdown. Jerry Judy's still running today if he's not interfered with. But anyway. Yeah, I mean, it, it really was. And then I got to say, uh, Irv Smith may have had the juke of the year as well. I mean, my God. And it's so funny because I leaned over to Brian Fowler and then my good friend Brett Beard, and I said, if they throw a touchdown pass on this drive, it's going to break the school record for a single season because coming into it had 28, AJ had 30 in 2012, 
And so I knew that it would break the record. And so he hits Irv over the middle. Irv just fakes this dude out of his jock strap from, from the Citadel and then runs down the field uh, and completes a 68-yard uh, catch and run. I'm sorry, but he, he should win the Mackey Award. I don't know about you guys, and I don't get a chance to see the rest of the country a lot. I get to see a lot of the SEC, some of the ACC. I haven't seen a tight end, an all-around tight end, better than Irv Smith. What are your thoughts, I just, I just really want to cut this conversation short. Um, I don't want to talk about that because I'm scared <laughs> he's going pro. <laughs> uh, that's a, that's another good point. I mean, he's I'm sure he's going to consider it. I mean, if he's not a you know a, a, a slam dunk first round draft choice, I'm sure he may come back. But I'm sure coach, co- I'll be honest, coach is going to have to have those conversations with a lot of dudes after yeah, this year. I mean, you know, including Mac Wilson. Mac Wilson's picked up his plate. Now is he playing great? I, I wouldn't say that, but I think he's playing better than he did earlier in the season. Uh, certainly Deontay Thompson's another can. Quinnen Williams is gone. I mean, anybody with a functioning brain knows that. Uh, but, you know, and then we'll yeah, see about – Drew, I, th- I think right now it's kind of a uh, – um, uh, kind of like a thoroughbred stay course race between uh, two different Alabama Williams. Is Quinnen Williams going to go before Jonah Williams? Yeah, that, uh, yeah wow. I mean, that's <laughs> – that's who would have ever thought that conversation would take place. I mean, that, that that's, that's a great, that's a great point. And, and then there has been a tweet come out guys. I wanted to talk about that since, um, you know, uh, since uh, we're in the middle of the show, but you know, so- social media never stops. But uh, Daniel Wright, who had season ending shoulder surgery and has been a part of club 21 for all those that uh, understand coach Saban's uh, doghouse here. But he's been suspended indefinitely. But he just tweeted, gentlemen, uh, not less than 30 minutes ago, rolling out, Tide, you won't question my loyalty, hashtag right decision, spelling his name. It sounds like Daniel Wright may have left the team, but a lot of people are irritated by this if this is the case. But if this did happen, William, I have a funny feeling this was more that he needed to be removed from the situation than just leaving due to being unhappy with playing time. I have a feeling that this may have been more of a mutual thing. Well, I would say this, Drew, let, let's, you know, wait 24 hours and see what's what, you know, kind of what comes out. In the if this is really true. Yeah. If that's what that meant. Right. Right. Um, number two, I mean, you know, it was kind of fortuitous for Daniel to, you know, get the torn labrum when he got it based on the, the disciplinary action um, that had been placed in front of him, you know, maybe the week before, the week after, um, you know, the discipline, you know, came down. Um, I certainly hope that's not true because I think he's a great player. I mean, he yeah, was, I think he has a lot of talent. I agreed there. I think he so, has a bright so, so entertaining yeah. to watch on kickoff coverage. I mean, the guy mm-hmm. would run mm-hmm. down there and, you know, throw his body at anybody and anybody on kickoff coverage. I mean, I hope he's got – um, you know, better people around him to advise him on that decision, um, be patient. But if it turns out to be the other way, then that just opens the door, Drew, for, you know, Alabama to, um, you know, maybe use, you know, another number in that recruiting class to take an additional safety. Because I can promise you this, um, despite all of his off-the-field issues, Alabama – felt like they had two guys um, behind Deontay Thompson 
there were going to be big-time football players, number one and Xavier McKinney and number two, mm-hmm. Danny Wright. Yeah, Xavier McKinney's had a great year, had a great game yesterday. And, William, uh, I will say this, too, uh, in, in all seriousness, uh, you know, hopefully the young man is going to make the, you know, the proper decision and, as you said, is getting uh, great guidance. But let's also tell – and it, I'm not saying he's going to be a great player, but there's also been another move positionally. It looks like Chadarius Townsend has been moved to the defensive backfield as well. He's not practicing with the wide receivers anymore. And so we'll just have to see, uh, you know, uh, uh, what happens. But, again – if he ends up moving on, it may be you know more also about the off-the-field stuff than, of course, as William said, very talented football player, and we just hope the young man uh, can get uh, his life back on track and, of course, get healthy uh, as he did play a little bit this year with a torn labrum in his shoulder, and no doubt about it. And it will be interesting to see how it affects recruiting because it's been thought Alabama was trying to sign a corner and a safety, Jeffrey Carter, perhaps a guy like Jordan Battle, Perhaps someone like a Nick Cross, as William said, maybe they take an extra DB. Maybe they look at a graduate transfer. You never know. Nick Saban has been very calculated in the way he's done that. And speaking of graduate transfers, we'll go we'll go back to the Alabama conversation. But I saw I thought it was very interesting that uh, today Garrick Dieter was activated by the Kansas City Chiefs on their roster, and he will be active for the Chiefs uh, after grinding with them for a couple of years. So congratulations to Garrick Dieter, who is now officially an NFL football player. We, uh, we, uh, we, have, we have to always, uh, you know, give, uh, give, him, give all the guys credit on the next level. I mean, it's been another big day. Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, they need a head coach. But they certainly both, uh, you know, uh, had moments today. And I saw Mark Ingram score a touchdown. It's become a, a kind of an infomercial for Alabama each Sunday uh, on, on the NFL level, no doubt about it. But – uh, to go back to the Alabama conversation, Alabama getting it done 50-17 to 17 over the Citadel, and now they look to the Auburn Tigers. I asked Xavier McKinney about this yesterday. He really didn't uh, – he downplayed it. He said they're, you know, they're fired up for every opponent in every game. But, William, I would think this team would be super motivated as to Auburn was the only one and the only opponent that they really didn't finish against last year and gave them their last loss. Well, you know, I think on one hand, Drew, you got to understand that, the, you know, that team, um, you know, kind of limped into that Iron Bowl last year. And I'm, very, I'm very not trying true, to make excuses for them. But, you know, they had, you know, their top four linebackers um, that were out for that game. They had to play a couple of walk-ons in that game. I mean, hell, I mean, if you really want to be honest about it, um, Alabama has gone 11-0 and uh, this year with – Three of their top linebackers, two of them, Terrell Lewis, Chris Allen, uh, you know, being gone with torn ACLs, and, and Mac Wilson, you know, playing with a broken foot. And how he's been able to play at the level he's played at um, is another conversation. But, you know, just imagine that defense um, that, that is, you know, top three in sacks right now. Um, and those sacks are coming from guys like Quentin Williams and Isaiah Bugs. Imagine if Terrell Lewis and Chris Allen um, were available. You know, the two guys that, that basically uh, ruined Alex Leatherwood in the spring and caused his move to the interior of the Alabama offensive line. Yeah, that's true. That's a very good point, William. And uh, and we'll see. I mean, I, I, you know, you're right. Alabama was, especially defensively, I mean, they were – they were really banged up going into that Iron Bowl. They, you know, they they weren't, you know, they had not had a chance to get healthy like they did for the college football playoff. 
Uh, and Auburn was playing at a fever pitch. Carryon Johnson was playing so well, though it was ironic, William. He got injured at the end of that game, Carryon did, and that probably cost Auburn any shot at the SEC championship and then at the playoff and played a huge role in the reason that everybody's still going through hell about Central Florida. No, it, it was. And you know, I saw a bunch of uh, you know Auburn fans um, you know, kind of thank uh, um, Alabama for injuring you know, I, I'm not saying I buy into this. I'm just saying what their fans said. Uh, you know, they thanked uh, Alabama for injuring Carryon Johnson, so they didn't have to face them again in in the uh, uh, SEC championship game. You know, that being said, um, one of the most poignant things that I was shared with um, last year after the you know in the waning moments of, of the national championship game. Um, Tosh LaPoy and Jeremy Pruitt sat next to each other on the bench. And I'm not going to say which one of them said this to the other, but I'm just saying this conversation took place. Um, but one of them said to the other, can you freaking believe that we just won a national championship with Jamie Mosley playing Jack linebacker? <laughs> That's true. He, he had to play a lot of snaps that year. A lot, probably the most, and uh, it'll be uh, uh, go down in his career. He's been a good program guy, but you're right. I mean, he wasn't being and counted on. And you need on. those guys, Drew. You need yeah, those kind yeah. of guys. Yeah, you, you really do. You really you need those kind of guys. Josh Casher's another one of them uh, that uh, did not leave the program and has played wherever they needed him along the offensive line and, as we said, played some right guard yesterday. Uh, but and then now we can uh, also – uh, start kind of breaking down Auburn, but I did want to give my weekly Tua Tungavaloa stats update. He went 18 of 22 in this game against the Citadel, 340 yards, three touchdowns, also rushed for a touchdown from a yard out, uh, ended up with four rushes for 37 yards. And I think, you know, he, and it, it, his performance should silence anyone for saying, well, we don't need to play Tua in this game. If you don't play him in this game, Alabama probably would have been in trouble at halftime. But now, going into the uh, finale against Auburn, 164 completions and 237 attempts, nearly 70% completion, 69%, 2,865 yards, 31 touchdowns, which is a school record, only two interceptions, yards per attempt, over 12 yards, and uh, his rating, 212.22. He's only played 10 snaps in the fourth quarter in one game, and he's rushed 41 times for 185 yards and four touchdowns. Some amazing stats, and now he gets a chance to face this Auburn defense that did shut out Liberty, but let's get serious. The Auburn defense in the last month, a month and a half, has not played nearly as well. They have not been able to stop the run. They, their front has not been bringing as much pressure. They're kind of banged up. It looks like a mismatch on paper. The point spread came out, William, today. 24 points i guess the only other time maybe it was more than that i can't even remember what the line was it had to have been worse than that in 2012 when alabama only had one loss and auburn came in i want to say with a three and eight record uh but this is and this auburn team is seven and four and we'll go to a bowl but just an unbelievable point spread and william your thoughts just early on this matchup uh, in the iron bowl and, and now auburn doesn't even come in with a great kicker in my opinion anders carlson has had some issues. I think this Alabama team is better than Auburn in all three phases and should win this game big. What is your thoughts? 
Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll bring some, some real-world stats to the equation. Um, if you go back to uh, – all the way back to, I think, 2007, um, and you go through the years that Nick Saban has lost to Auburn, 7, uh, 10, 13, and then last year. Uh, well, you can't factor in last year just yet. But prior to 17, every year that, that Nick Saban has faced Auburn after he's lost to them the year before, he's beaten them by 32 points per game. Wow. Now, I'm not saying that's what the point differential is going to be Saturday. Mm-hmm. But I would, I would be shocked if it's some, not somewhere between 20 and 24 points. Um, you know, I think they've kind of, kind of quit and given up a little bit. Um, they've got some locker room issues. You know, certainly they've got some administrative issues, um, you know, that Gus Malzahn buyout. Uh, but, but I think this is just kind of a perfect storm um, for Alabama because the Auburn offense, um, you know, is, is not dynamic at anything that they do. They're not good at running the football. They're not really good at passing the football. Um, they've, they've got a, a patchwork offensive line that I think Quentin Williams and Raquan Davis and Isaiah Bugs can make mincemeat with. But, but where I see the huge mismatch in this game, Drew, is that, that Auburn pass defense and the back end of their defense with their DBs versus these wide receivers from Alabama and a healthy Tua Tungabailoa. That's where I see the opportunity to really, you know, kind of get up on this Auburn team. You know, if Nick Saban decides to turn Mike Loxley loose and this offense loose um, and lets them kind of throw the ball all over the field, it, it could get ugly real quick. I mean, I think uh, my pick just early is 38-6. to six. I think Alabama is going to dominate this game. I think they're going to come out with a purpose. Uh, because of last season, they wouldn't admit it, but I think they want to send a message uh, this Auburn offense is not very good. Uh, their offensive line, as William said, is really uh, has struggled all year. The defensive line, I think, can be worn down. Uh, their secondary is trash. I mean, I've watched it all year. Basically, they just get you know, uh, penalties. They're coached by Greg Brown, merciful heavens. He got <laughs> processed by Nick Saban in a year, and Alabama gave up third down and long via third down and long with him and Kirby Smart on the same staff. That's scary. But Alabama was, you know, giving up. That's when third and Kirby really started. And uh, Greg Brown just really, uh, they, I, I thought he did a poor job. And he was out of here and sent off to purgatory known as Bobby Petrino for a year before going to Missouri and then ended up at Auburn. Uh, but certainly, uh, I, I don't think their secondary is very good. And Alabama can uh, exploit it. But Thomas, I know you've been pretty much spot on with this. You really thought Alabama would mudhole LSU. They mudholed them. Uh, they they soundly defeated Mississippi State. And by the way, Mississippi State holds Arkansas to two field goals, I believe, yesterday. So they've still only given up 12 touchdowns all year. And yet you've got buttonheads on Twitter saying that uh, that uh, that uh, Tua Tungvaloa hasn't played against any defenses. And that's why, uh, by the way, a clown like Joel Klatt comes out today with a tweet that says, it's going to be a great Heisman race. Uh, Kyler Murray ahead with a couple of weeks to go. And Kyler Murray, hell, he couldn't even play in the SEC. The kid, I agree. And it, in his defense, he was being coached by Kevin Sumlin, and he transferred. But my God, he's played against nobody. 
the Big 12 is a bunch of seven-on-seven bullshit. Are you kidding me? I mean, he, I mean, Tua Tungvalu has taken 10 snaps in the fourth quarter. If he had played in the fourth quarter of every game, he would be blowing Kyler Murray's stats out of the water. Kyler Murray has only thrown for 450 more yards and only three more touch or four more, no, three more touchdowns. Pardon me, three more touchdowns than Tua Tungvalu, and he's played pretty much the whole game, every game, except for probably a couple. Because I mean, my God, they have the worst defense known to mankind. They they gave up 40 points to Kansas. Okay. I mean, they're terrible. They have a terrible defense. He has rushed for 500 more yards than Tua. But Merciful Evans, I mean, he's he's a good player, okay? I, re- I like the kid. He's thrown more interceptions, though, than Tua. And again, he's not faced an LSU. He has not faced a Mississippi State. He won't even face an Auburn. I mean, that, that's the worst you know, conference for defense in America. I mean, they don't stop. They can stop running water. It's just an absolute clown show. But, Thomas, I'll let you uh, comment on it. I mean, you've been pretty much spot on with your picks this year and these matchups. What What are your thoughts? Well, in terms of Joel Klatt's tweet, uh, and I didn't quote it in exact, no, no. but he basically said that Kyler Murray's the favorite, which is complete manure. Not after this weekend. Well, well, I'm not even uh, th- that he might be in Joel Klatt's mind, but um, so. Uh, it, it's really hard to make a statistical comparison when Tua, uh, the stat was given out on the broadcast uh, yesterday. He's played something like 62 or 65% of the offensive snaps this year for Alabama. You know, so, some really, really low percentage that when you when I heard it, I was like, no way. And then I thought about it and realized, well, he was already at his upper limit was pretty much 76 because he's only had 10 snaps in the fourth quarter, and suddenly it made sense. So because of that statistical anomaly, the comparison, frankly, falls apart. But, but sure, whatever. I, I, don't, I don't particularly care what a shock jock has to say. So talking about the Iron Bowl, and here is the problem for the Auburn Tigers. They have the exact same problem that they had against LSU in that... They're going to try and do something with the wide receivers for Alabama. And when they get burned, they're going to get grabby. And when they get grabby, they're going to get called. And when they get called, the Alabama offense is going to stay on schedule. Assuming they're not just flat out blow buys because the Auburn secondary is legitimately bad. The game plan for Kevin Steele and company would, would have been something on the order of trust your front seven to dominate the opposing team's offensive line and just get the quarterback on the ground before the secondary gets absolutely roasted. That has not really come to pass this year thus far. So I think, I mean, this is for, you know, you mentioned Kyler Murray seven on seven. I feel like this is going to be seven on seven for Tua Tonga-Vailoa. It, I just I don't I know the Auburn you got to give Auburn's front seven credit they're good but so is Alabama's offensive line and you know what's really weird about this Auburn defense is they're not even that good at stopping the run you know Travion yeah they've been horrible you're right you're right they've been terrible in the last month so you know Travion Williams is still running on Auburn I think yes and so is DeAndre Swift they're they're having a powwow because they decided to run back to College Station and to the local dive bar in Athens. You know, I, 
I don't. Uh, it, it, this this defense to me had all the hype in the world, and they do have some legitimately excellent talent on the lines in terms of where they're rated and where they might end up making an impact in the NFL. But it just hasn't come together for whatever reason. And if you have a defense that just hasn't coalesced running into this this soul crushing monstrosity in Tuscaloosa, you're you're in for a long day. You kick it to the other side, and because Booby Whitlow. Jatarvius Whitlow has had injury issues throughout the season and the Auburn offensive line has been bad to worse throughout the vast majority of the time. Auburn has struggled mightily to run the ball. And you know, the, the, this is one of the best things that came out of the Texas A&M game, which Auburn to their credit won. there was this, the storyline was, well, Auburn can pass the football when Jarrett Stidham had sub 300 yards passing against a Texas A&M secondary that is, just not very good. Mm-hmm. So, uh, by and large, I just don't know what Auburn's going to do. The way they've beaten Alabama in the past has been very physical along the lines of scrimmage and ride a bell cow back into the ground. And that's what, Al- that's what Auburn was able to do against Alabama with on Johnson. But, you know, you mentioned, you know, Georgia fans thanking Alabama for hurting on Johnson. It's not completely outside of the realm of possibility to say that Ronnie Harrison's smack on Carrion Johnson's shoulder pretty much cemented Alabama's college football playoff berth. You know, it, it's revisionist history, but it's also not completely outside of insanity. But anyway, that, that, that's neither here nor there to the point I'm trying to make. Auburn doesn't have the, the ingredients that have been successful against Alabama in the past. And the things that Auburn had been able to do to frustrate a Jalen Hurts or, you know, frustrate a 2013 Alabama offense, that doesn't exist right now because Alabama's added an extremely dynamic passing game where Auburn is very weak. I think Alabama's going to blow the doors off Auburn. Like, I think, again, we're playing fast forward to next Sunday's conversation, Drew. I think one of the key storylines, the, the, the AL.com Mobile Press Register Sunday paper, there will be a whole lot of wailing and gnashing of teeth to fire Gus Malzahn because he is coming to a reckoning in the Iron Bolt this weekend, this upcoming week. So uh, I've got 38 to 6. Uh, William, uh, you said it may not be 32 points plus or something to that effect, but how one-sided is it going to get in your mind? Well, you know, one thing I would like to point out to everybody that that I think um, has really played a a huge part in this Auburn defense going south, and I'm certainly not trying to uh, take up for Kevin Steele. Um, I think they've got a really good front seven. But uh, let me explain to you why that defense has been so ineffective this year. Mm -hmm. The reason they've been so ineffective is because Gus Malzahn and Chip Lindsey, you know, whether it's, you know, Rhett Lashley or, or, or Jimmy Rain, whoever the hell's calling the plays for Auburn's offense, the reason that Auburn's defense <laughs> has been so bad this year is because Auburn's offense leads the nation in three and outs. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when your offense is going three and out over and over again, it's kind of like the old, you know, Bammer conspiracy theory, Drew, about why – uh, you know, Alabama lost the 2016 national championship to Clemson 
was because they couldn't pick up first downs and extend drives. That is a huge reason why this Auburn defense has been so bad this year is because with, with Jared Stidham and, and, and the wide receivers and, and the shitty offensive line, and um, you know, they don't have the two – they don't have the, the bully back, what I call the bully back and the change of pace back, you know, uh, Cameron Petway and, and Carrion Johnson. But, but the reason why their defense has been so bad, they haven't gotten any help from their offense. You know, when you lead the nation in three and outs, you know, that puts a huge pressure on your defense. So I'm not trying to, you know, come up with ways for this Alabama Iron Bowl um, to be close or anything like that. I don't think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a 35 to 13 or 16 type game. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to sit here and give credit where credit's due to, uh, you know, the other team. You know, Kevin Steele has been hindered by Gus Malzahn's offense. You know, they they can't pick up first downs. They can't extend drives. And that puts a huge amount of pressure on that defense. You know, last year they were able to do that. The year before that, when, when, when that Auburn – you know, defense was given credit for being so good. They were able to extend drives with that two-headed monster in Cam Petway and Carrion Johnson. Um, but but I, I, I do, Drew, I expect this, this Iron Bowl to be a bloodbath. And then, uh, Thomas, uh, the question is, I know you think Auburn's coming for a reckoning. Does Tua Tungvaluwa play in the fourth quarter? No, he'll be out halfway through the third, and Alabama's going to win 52-10. to 10. Oh, Wow. I mean, that would, if that happens, Gus Miles on, they'd be in trouble uh, if they don't at least make it a four quarter battle. Oh, it's not going to be in trouble, Drew. I promise you, they've already made the administrative decision. Oh, I understand that. I understand. I mean, you know, you you know the money that's involved here, right? Well, yeah, Jimmy Rain would have to put up at least half of it. And, and, you know, and and Bill Harvard. Yeah. Um, That being said, I mean, again, this is a good thing for Alabama fans. Oh, it's great. I mean, I, if it was up to me, um, and again, you know, poor Alan Green, the new Auburn athletic director, he's had to come into this situation blindly, and he's evaluated and said, oh, my God, you know, this contract extension and, and buyout that was given to Gus Malzahn, and, you know, obviously so. This is his first, you know, venture into big-time college athletics. But he's like, who made the decision to do this? Well, it was, you know, uh, Dr. Leith, their, their, their university president, and the outgoing athletic director. Um, God, what was his name? Uh, Jar Jar. Uh, oh, you talking about you talking about the Auburn uh, which, uh, the Auburn outgoing athletic director? Yeah, the one that got fired. Jay right? Jacobs. Yes. Jay Jacobs. Yeah. So I prefer Jar Jar. Can can, but, can that be a but thing? Again, for me? Yeah, I mean, I think the guy's going to survive this year regardless of what happens just because of the finances. Right, but the $32 million. Again, where, where else, you know, where else in the open capitalistic market mm-hmm. can, can you do a bad job at your job, um, you know, for we're going on year six, I guess, of Gus, and then walk away, worst-case scenario, if they fire him next year, I think he's going to walk away with $8 million on the buyout. Um, uh, I want somebody, um, whether it's Lucifer, Jesus Christ, or Bear <laughs> Bryant, 
to come back into my life at the age of 25 and say, son, you need to go into coaching because that's the only other profession I've ever seen where you can steal money from somebody. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it is. It's really crazy, man. And, uh, but I, it does look like that Gus will be back at least for one more year. And uh, Alabama fans should be happy with that. I mean, Nick Saban's program continues to gain strength. Uh, and, you know, I, I was able to uh, watch a lot of future Bama guys. I was in attendance at the uh, Hewitt Trustville at Thompson game. And Thompson has the most unbelievable facilities of any high school I've ever seen in my life, whether it be the school itself, uh, the indoor, 40-yard indoor practice facility for Thompson, or – uh, the uh, the uh, and, and then uh, also uh, their weight room, which is William has uh, told me is better than the 1993 weight room he had at Alabama, and also uh, just uh, their their for their stadium, their press box, everything was unbelievable. Uh, Talia Tungavello throwing for 175 yards, I think he ran for about 70, uh, threw a couple touchdowns, made a ridiculous 42-yard throw to extend the lead to 23 to seven at the end of the half. Paul Tyson struggled in his last high school game throwing three picks, uh, but he's had a good run there. I thought Pierce Quick was impressive. Uh, Malachi Moore had moments. He's just a junior committed to Alabama. Uh, and, 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 of course, uh, catching several passes was Dazelon Worsham, uh, though I do think Worsham needs to get tougher. Uh, I do think you know he didn't play well in the first Thompson-Hewitt game, played better in this one, but he dropped a touchdown early in the game. On in the first quarter, there was a really good throw by Paul Tyson. Probably his best throw of the night. He's got to get more consistent. I really like Javarius Johnson. I think Alabama could flip him from Auburn if they wanted to. But the numbers are so tight. I'm just not sure they're going to take a second wide receiver. They're not going to take George Pickens. Uh, They've decided they do not want him. And Javarius is a very small guy, very fast, very fluid wide receiver. But I think Alabama's probably, as William has said, going to continue to load up on those offensive and defensive lines and in the secondary and at linebacker. That's where they really need to and where they always win games. So I think they're fine right now at wide receiver. They'll probably load up in the class next year. I should be headed on Friday to the Hoover at uh, Thompson rematch at the Hoover Met. Really want to see if uh, now that Thompson's become better at running the football, what kind of success they could have against the Bucks because Hewitt had a lot of success doing that. But Hoover's got to be the favorite. I mean, they, you know, they're a machine. Uh, they've won the last two 7A titles. And then you got to understand, too, on the other side of the bracket, it's probably going to be a huge favor. It's probably going to be Central of Phoenix City against uh, Leah Montgomery. Central of Phoenix City, of course, coached by Jamie Duvos. Uh, the, uh, and, the, uh, of course, that's the alma mater of Mark Hell Benton. They're very talented, but due to the uh, coaching advantage, I still think uh, whoever wins that Thompson-Hoover game would have a really good shot against Central of Phoenix City. But that would be an outstanding 7A state championship game. But, just to get, that was my little recruiting update. I did go, and I got a chance to see Amari Kite as well. I thought he was very impressive uh, for the Thompson Warriors. When you think about Pierce Quick, who impressed, and, and Amari Kite being maybe a, 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 a guard in Pierce's case, and then a, a right tackle on Amari Kite's, and you, you team them with a guy like Evan Neal. Uh, and then right now, uh, they've got the, the young man, of, of course, uh, from the, that's committed uh, from, t- from, uh, from uh, Kentucky, uh, the Bulls kid. I think he's at Tanner Bowles. He's a really good prospect, too. Now, whether he still ends up in the class is, you know, another question. They've got Dalcourt committed to play center. I mean, it may depend on Clay Webb's decision, but uh, I, I don't think this class is going to be made, uh, made or, or broken by Clay Webb. You know, hearing Clay Webb, it's maybe Alabama and Georgia and not Clemson. But, again, 
as William has stated many times, Clay Webb is not going to make or break this recruiting class. Certainly, uh, they could go after another defensive lineman, perhaps a, a member of the secondary or whatnot, and and uh, and especially considering that Daniel Wright may have a murky future now after that tweet tonight. I'm sure we'll find out earlier this early in the week that case with uh, Daniel Wright, but that could uh, change their approach with secondary prospects as they look to the Jeffrey Carters right now, who's committed to Texas A&M. Uh, and they look at Nick Cross, they look at uh, Jordan Battle as they continue to uh, try to finish strong in this recruiting class. And they'll probably even take another look after December 20th, or I should say the 19th, when they get done with the early signing period and kind of see what is left uh, and uh, what positions they really want to go after. So we're going to be interesting. Thompson won that game 37-13. to They dominated Hewitt Trustville. Hewitt uh, done for the year. Thompson now headed for the rematch with Hoover. So... That's going to be probably the most highly anticipated playoff game uh, due to Talia Tungavailoa uh, and uh, continuing to and going up against Tuver. He's one and two against Tuver, uh, losing the last two games. So we'll see if he can get it done. I still think if he wins this game, he's got a very good shot uh, at Mr. Football uh, and uh, to to win it uh, in the uh, state of Alabama. Though there's a lot of great candidates this year uh, due to many kids, including Lee Witherspoon, whose career just ended at North Jackson scoring a state record 59 touchdowns uh, as he went out early with a concussion, unfortunately, and his team fell to the hoax bluff Eagles on the road. But we are winding down this edition of, uh, of uh, the, uh, of our BAMS radio for this week. As I've said, I like Auburn 38 to six. Thomas says 52 to 10. William more along the lines of 35, 13, 35, 16. We all agree. Alabama is going to, uh, you know, should dominate this game. I think they're better than the Auburn Tigers. Certainly they won't take them lightly after what happened last year as well. And it'll be a big game because it's going to be the final game at Bryant-Denny Stadium for a lot of special seniors. Hopefully with the concussion not being hopefully considered serious, that well, I know we'll find out more tomorrow from Nick Saban. Damian Harris will be able to play in his final home game because uh, he's certainly had a great career, over 3,000 rushing yards now for the Crimson Tide. And uh, now and he leads the team now with nearly 700 yards rushing. Uh, but if, if he can't go, then that opens up for Najee Harris and Josh Jacobs to have more carries, maybe even Brian Robinson. Certainly Alabama can deal with it, but for, for the, what he's meant to the program for the last four years, hopefully he'll be able to play uh, in his final game uh, inside Bryant-Denny Stadium. And then a quick basketball update. They did play this afternoon uh, in their final game in the Charleston Classic in Charleston, South Carolina. A big win for Alabama uh, as uh, the Crimson Tide uh, had four players in double figures led by the unbelievable freshman Kyra Lewis from here in my area in Hazel Green. He had 24 points uh, and, he, and, of course, 19 for, uh, soft, uh, for the sophomore uh, for the Alex Reese that William is very familiar with from Pelham. He came off the bench, had a heck of a game, and uh, John Petty and Herbert Jones also uh, scoring double figures uh, and with, I believe, 13 apiece. So Alabama was able to win that game uh, against uh, the uh, Wichita State Shockers, 90-86. to 86. Uh, So they went 2-1 and one in the tournament, bounced back from a tough first loss uh, to uh, the Northeastern Huskies, and then were able to impressively uh, whip Ball State and then beat uh, Wichita State, who's always a strong program under Greg Marshall. Uh, so now they are uh, currently 4-1 uh, and one on the year, and they will be back in action after Thanksgiving on November the 26th 
against the Murray State Racers. So, uh, but everybody, I know we won't talk to you until after Thanksgiving. All of our listeners, and boy, it continues to grow, and we certainly appreciate all the, all the props and all the uh, people listening. Uh, everybody have a happy Thanksgiving, and hopefully enjoy an Iron Bowl beatdown of the Auburn Tigers with Alabama moving to 12-0. and And we'll review it next Sunday on BAMS Radio, as you'll hear from myself and William Redfish Barger and Thomas Watts. But for everyone, we appreciate you joining us tonight. Good night and roll tide.